0: Most of us, I think, enjoy a good story. One that brings the characters to life. Or has a good plot. Or some clever dialogue. And maybe a strong moral message. Many of you, I'm sure, have told children bedtime stories at some time or another. I used to make up stories uh, for my younger sons about two boys called Luke and Edward. Their middle names are Luke and Edward, so they quickly twigged that Luke and Edward were really them. And Luke and Edward went around doing good deeds. Maybe they would find a lost boy and they would give him a sweet to stop him crying and then reunite him with his family. Or perhaps they would help an old lady across the road. And they would be assured that they had done the right thing. The lectionary Bible readings for some weeks now have been from uh, Matthew's Gospel, where the good stories almost seem to tumble over one another in their haste to get onto the page. There are the parables, which are each designed to uh, stress a particular point. There are the major teaching occasions where Jesus has thousands gathered around him. And there are these brief encounters like the one that Jean just read for us. And I called this morning's service Brief Encounter because this encounter uh, that Jesus has uh, with this woman seems to me to have been every bit as dramatic and as poignant And as emotionally charged as that other famous brief encounter at Carnforth, starring Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard. Most writers come to the story they tell from a particular point of view. That's why we could read uh, accounts of an event, say, in the Daily Mail and the Guardian, and get two quite different perspectives. That's why, if crew Alexandra beat Brighton and Hove Albion, (laughs) and it has happened. The reporter on the crew chronicle would talk about crew's fluent forward play and the heroics of their forwards, while the reporter on the evening Argus would probably focus on how lucky crew were. Matthew was a Jew and Matthew was writing for a Jewish audience. So we have Matthew in his gospel stressing uh, Jesus' Jewishness and Jesus' mission to the Jews. If we went back a few uh, chapters to chapter 10, verse 5, we would have Matthew recording that Jesus sent out his disciples with the instruction, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. When we come to this incident this morning, um, if we were to look in Mark's gospel, we would have Jesus... uh, entering a house um, to meet the woman. Mark chapter 7. But in Matthew the woman comes and engages him which was probably more acceptable to Matthew's audience. Mark uh, has the woman as a Syrophoenician. Matthew has her as a Canaanite naming her ancestors who were enemies of Israel. So by by Matthew identifying her like that he's Jewish audience would have immediately understood the significance of Jesus uh, assisting her and engaging with her. Her plea tugs at our heartstrings, and it's meant to. It's a great story. Her daughter is ill. Demon possessed. We're told she might have been uh, epileptic, she might have had severe learning difficulties, we don't know. We're told she's demon possessed. And the disciples want Jesus to give her short shrift, to send her away. Perhaps they are remembering the instruction uh, that they've been given not to go among the Gentiles. And certainly this woman gets no sympathy from the disciples. And Jesus' answer seems to be equally unhelpful to her. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Is it Matthew saying that so that he'll get the interest and nods of approval from his Jewish readers? Or is Jesus saying that to test the woman, to see how she will respond? Maybe she'll just melt away into the crowd well that's that then no help there but she persists and his response is even more emphatic Jesus says it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs verse 26 what a dreadful thing for Jesus to say I think if I had been the Canaanite woman I would have wilted on the spot I've got a sick child and all this man can do is to talk about bread and dogs. Well, the fact was that uh, dog was a term that Jews commonly applied to Gentiles. The Jews considered them no more likely to receive God's blessing uh, than dogs would. Perhaps Jesus was using uh, the term so that he could contrast his own attitude to that of the Jews. Whatever, this feisty, sparky woman seizes on what Jesus says and gives Jesus as good as she gets. Yes, Lord, she says, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. Notice, she recognizes Jesus as Lord. Yes, Lord, she says. But what a brilliant response. What a brilliant response. Rosemary and I stayed overnight uh, in a hotel recently. When we arrived and we went to check in, uh, the uh, young woman on the reception desk was wearing a name badge that said trainee. And with my usual line in poor humour, I said to her, that's a funny name to have, trainee. And without a moment's hesitation, she said, I know, my parents gave me that name even though they knew people would make fun of me all my life. (laughs) Well, when I stopped laughing, I told her she'd given an excellent response to a very silly comment. I was full of admiration for this young woman. And the response of this uh, Syrophoenician or Canaanite woman is even better than that. Every time I go over that story, I am full of admiration for her. And what is Jesus' reaction? Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. So is it a story about faith being tested? Is Jesus wanting to push her a bit to see how she will respond? If if that's the case, then Jesus succeeds. Or does she actually succeed in changing the mind of Jesus? And is it possible to change the mind of Jesus or God? I was unsure which of two Old Testament readings uh, to choose this morning. I might have chosen the passage where Abraham seems to persuade God to spare the corrupt city of uh, Sodom if he finds just ten righteous people there. If you want to remind yourselves of that story, you can look at that when you get home. It's in Genesis chapter 15. But the Exodus uh, reading that we had is more succinct. God tells Moses that the Israelites have become corrupt. They are stiff-necked or hard-headed, or another translation says they're obstinate. Now, leave me alone, says God, because I am angry with them. But Moses doesn't leave God alone. Moses challenges God. He reminds God of his history, as if God needs reminding of history. And He reminds God of the promise that he would give the Israelites their promised land. And the Bible says the last verse of the passage we read, verse 14. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. I think theologians would say, or the ones that I've referred to, might say... No, it isn't possible for us as humans to change God's mind. But what we can do is to draw out demonstrations of God's mercy. Exodus 32 verse 11 says Moses sought the favour of God. And I guess that's what we do when we pray, perhaps um, for healing for a sick friend. Through our interceding, we draw upon God's mercy or we seek the favour of God. Thomas Cranmer's famous prayer, which is often used at communion services, captures that exchange between Jesus and the Canaanite woman. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. But Jesus is both divine and human. And in this story, I think we have a very human Jesus, grounded in his Jewish culture and background, who is having a very human exchange with this woman. Perhaps the question for us is this: How open are we to change our mind when challenged? Perhaps on a, an issue that we have long held dear? And is our understanding of Christianity enlarged as a result? There's no doubt that there has been movement over a long period of time on views regarding, for instance, the remarriage of divorced people in church and there is no doubt that some people in the church of england have been challenged to change their mind over a period of time regarding the ministry of women at the moment we face other equally Difficult challenges, perhaps even more difficult challenges over, for instance, the ministry of gay and lesbian people and the marriage of gay and lesbian people. It's good to listen to people we agree with because it can reassure us that we're right. But sometimes we can learn by listening prayerfully and carefully to people we don't agree with hearing their views might reinforce our own. We might say, well, after listening to what he says makes me even more sure that I'm right. But maybe something that that person says might give us food for thought. I recently had what I think you call a light bulb moment when someone from a very uh, different Christian background from mine offered me a perspective that I hadn't considered. And I've actually been reflecting quite a lot on that since. But here perhaps is a more difficult thought. Can we learn anything from people of other faiths? Some years ago now, I was at a conference of prison chaplains It was held at a Salvation Army citadel in Birmingham and they had laid on a sumptuous lunch. Most of the uh, chaplains there uh, were Christian ministers but there were one or two others and during the morning I'd been talking to a young Muslim prison chaplain. I noticed that he wasn't at lunch and I went looking for him. He was sitting quietly in the chapel He explained to me that he couldn't eat during the day because it was Ramadan, but he didn't want to embarrass anyone by watching while we ate, so he had just quietly stepped away. And just as I admired the young hotel receptionist and just as I admire the Canaanite woman in the Bible, I I had some admiration for him. Could I be... uh, as faithful, as disciplined, and as humble as he was. We learn and grow by being challenged. We may still have the same views and beliefs, we may hold them even more strongly, but we will have had to think them through and justify them. The Canaanite woman learned something of the power. Of Jesus to heal her sick daughter. But I like to think that the human Jesus also learnt something from her. We put meaning into a passage by the way we read it. And when I read verse 28 of Matthew's account, I like to put a note of surprise and admiration in Jesus' voice when he says to the woman, Woman, you have great...